What's going on, everybody? Hope you had a great, great Christmas with friends and family and uh, just a wonderful week of hanging out. I want to thank Pastor for the opportunity for all the campus pastors to speak to their individual campuses. It is always an honor to stand on this platform. Can we give our pastor some honor here this morning? This is the last weekend of 2015, and I just want to give you a couple reminders uh, in this last week uh, that it is the last week to give in this calendar year, and so please be faithful in your tithes and your offerings, and remember that uh, you just have a few days left in 2015. And also next week, as it starts a new year, let me encourage you uh, to research and begin to get into a reading plan for 2016. There are a number of resources out there uh, that you can read the Bible through a year or just different plans that take you through different topics and just some wonderful, wonderful resources. Of course, you can start with your YouVersion app on your phone. They have some great uh, plans there to read, but I encourage you to research that now and be prepared that at the start of the year that you are into a reading plan. And in conjunction with that, uh, to be starting Uh, That plan is next week. You'll also hear about the details of our annual church-wide fast that begins on January 7th. And so look for more details about that next week and plan to be a part of that as well. Well, I don't think that anyone would argue that this month of December, especially these last couple weeks of the year, are always the most hectic, the most busy. Um, with all the planning and all the shopping and uh, the parties and the meals and the family and the travel and the overspending and the overeating. Anyone? That it is the craziest, most wonderful uh, time of the year. Uh, But I'll even be honest, with this year in particular, with Christmas being on Friday, it felt like the whole week led up to that day, and then we have just one day, and we're here back at church after an incredible Christmas weekend services last week. And so this one in particular felt just a little bit more uh, of that nature. And I think that coming through this hectic time of the year, there is no better message that I can bring to you today. There's no better topic than uh, the one that we're going to talk about here today. And so if you have your Bibles or you have your devices, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And while you're turning there, I want to read to you from Psalm 66, verse 4. And it says this, All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing praise to your name, Selah. That word Selah, used there at the end of that verse, is a a curious word. It's used 74 times in the Bible all of them in the Old Testament. Seventy-one of those are found in the book of Psalms. And so many believe it's more of a musical word since Psalms is a musical book. But most scholars agree that the word comes from the Hebrew word salah, which means to stop, to pause, to think about what has just been said and then praise. And so whenever you see that verse in Psalms, you read the verse and then you stop and think about what has just been stated and give praise for it. And today, I want to use that word. I want to selah, 
to stop and to pause long enough to think about what God has done and then give him praise. Before we move on to this next year, before we turn the page and set a tone for the year to come, before we cast vision for our church and for City Hope and where it's going in the new year, I want us to pause and look back. To stop long enough before moving on to gain perspective about what God has done in our lives and in the lives of our church during this calendar year. It's a healthy thing. It's a good thing. And I want to challenge you that even if you cannot wait for this year to be over, you're ready for a clean start, a fresh start, to turn the page. There is still something about Selah, about a re-memory, is how we've entitled this message that's important. And now we've all heard messages about not looking back and dwelling on the past, that our mistakes and our shortcomings are not something to get stuck in. And, and that's true. Uh, God's grace and his mercies are new every morning by what Jesus Christ has done for us. He has wiped the slate clean before him. But there's a part about stopping and pausing and remembering what God has done that brings things into a proper perspective before we move forward. Sometimes to see the value of the present, you have to reflect on the past, and the sharpness of your projections are dependent upon the intimacy of your reflections. And so the context here of Deuteronomy chapter 8, God is doing exactly that to the children of Israel. He is making them stop and reflect to have a re-memory moment. He's taking the children of Israel down memory lane and making them to stop and think about where they've come from. And in the first few verses of chapter 8, he's reminding them of his faithfulness, of the time that they were in Egypt and how he brought them through the wilderness. In fact, he's saying, remember how you were freed from Egypt. Remember how your clothes and your shoes did not wear out in your time in the wilderness. Remember how I fed you with manna from heaven. And then he tells them in verse 7 this, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks and streams and deep springs. I'm about to bring you into the promised land. And he's reminding them this in verse 10. When you have eaten and satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and you are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow and your silver and gold increase and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. Because, skipping down to verse 17, you may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hand have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord, your God, who gives you this ability to produce wealth. God's telling them to stop and look back. I'm about to do something great, but when you've eaten and you're satisfied, remember to praise the Lord. They don't even have the promise yet, but he's still making them stop and reflect and So stopping now here in this service, I think this would be 
exciting and fun. I want to remember back on just this year here at City Hope, and even specifically this campus, but all of our campuses. This year has been an incredible year. It was just this February that we moved into this beautiful new building and celebrated that, that weekend, grand, open, grand opening weekend. After setbacks and delays, God has given us this resource to reach so many more people in our community. The vision that was cast for our new name, that happened this year. We started off two brand new campuses in Bay Manette and at home in prison. This year we've seen 1,129 people make decisions for Jesus Christ and baptize 440 people. That's something to celebrate. We've impacted thousands and thousands of people by meeting physical needs, by serving them, by giving away hundreds of thousands of meals and shoes and bikes and food. And, and, and some of this really did change people's lives. You and I, the church, did this by God's grace and the ability that he gave us. And that's just the highlights of really over the hundreds of people and the stories and the triumphs of how God healed physical, physical bodies, of how he provided financially for so many people, how he delivered marriages and restored relationships. And it's only through stopping and thinking about those things, by building an altar of remembrance, do we properly give him praise for what he has done. To stop and remember when, even personally, what God has done in your life, in your family, in your business, how he's used you in a significant way this year. And even go back to the first time that you experienced God's goodness, his forgiveness, his freedom, his joy, his peace, his deliverance. Even in preparation for this weekend, I look back over the different weekends and the different series that Pastor brought from this platform, the different messages, and looking back at notes about certain moments where God's Spirit, I know, spoke to me, and that revelation of who He was in that moment and the feeling of His presence. That there's something significant about stopping long enough to reflect on what God has done for you. And in this last week of the year, there's not a better time to make time to do that this week. There's many times in the Bible where people made an altar before the Lord. There's at least four times in the Old Testament in which God commanded the children of Israel, build me an altar. And sometimes it was after a great victory, and even sometimes it was before they went into battle. Sometimes an altar was built as a significant place where God altered the course of an individual life, where they had that life-changing encounter with God. Sometimes it was for forgiveness. And other times it was to stop and God commanding them to stop and reflect, to get their attention, to get their perspective right. And other times it was just a place of worship. Stop and build me an altar. Altars represent the occasion or the place where 
we have had that personal encounter with God. An altar is a place of forgiveness, a place of worship. It's a place where promises are established. And once we've made an altar, whether in a physical place or in our hearts, we can go back and remember what God has done. And so an altar is, can be a physical place where it's that resolution in our heart of this moment, God has met me here. And so stop and go back to that altar, that place of promise, that place of forgiveness, that place of worship, a place where passion is restored. Selah, pause. And so I want to talk and reflect about those four things that we find at an altar when we stop and pause and reflect, when we build an altar before God, a place of promise, a place of forgiveness, a place of worship, and a place of passion. Sometimes the reality of those things go strangely dim in the middle of the circumstances and the challenging that, challenges that you may be facing right here and now. Maybe you're here today, and as you look back at 2015, there aren't many highlights. There are many more defeats than victories. Maybe you're here, and in the brokenness of where you are at, you feel that the struggle is real, and that the struggle to find God's goodness is difficult. And in between the letdowns and the failures and the unfulfilled dreams and goals that you may have had at the start of the year, stopping to remember may be a little bit difficult. Maybe something that you don't want to do. Maybe to stop and reflect is a feeling that you don't want to have. But it's in times like this, sometimes when it's needed most, that if we just stopped and remembered, that we remembered his promises are true, that we remember that he's faithful, that we remember as we look back that he really was there, that he really is working on your behalf. Even though you don't feel like you have anything to show for it, he has gone before you, and his word is true. And so we remember to stop, to say la, to praise him for who he is and what he's going to do. And in reflection at that altar, where we encounter God, it brings with it the proper perspective into our present so that we can go into our future. We do this in triumphs, but we even do this in the middle of letdowns and failures, even in between dreams and goals that we've had for 2015 that are left undone and unaccomplished. The way we thought this year was going to go the beginning of this year, I, I set a goal to lose 10 pounds, and now with four days left of the year, I have 14 pounds to go. <laughs> I forgot to even go to the gym today, and that will make two years in a row that I've done that. <laughs> but I've figured out this, that it's because my workouts are so intense that they take over a year to recover from. So <laughs> that's where I'm at, and hopefully I'll change that next year. Maybe. We'll see. I don't know. God instructed the children of Israel before they got to the promised land to stop and reflect upon what God has done. 
So that when they arrived, when they had received what had been promised, that they would have the right perspective to know that it was God who provided the answer for them. And so today I want to call your attention to some things that keep us from stopping and looking back. And then I want to give you some things to help you remember to Selah before the start of next year. Things that cause us to forget. The reasons why we don't pause to look back. And these are things that get us off track and keep us from stopping at an altar. Number one, distractions. In our example, the children of Israel, they were people like ourselves that got easily distracted by their circumstances. What they had been facing, what they were confronted with, or what they didn't currently have, their lack of resources in the wilderness, times they didn't have food or water, and they began to complain about what they didn't have in their possession. The enemies that came against them and stood in between where they were and the promised land of where God was taking them. And even the distractions of cutting corners and and not completely following through with all that God had told them to do delayed them and kept them from his promises. And so it's no wonder that God made them stop so many times to reflect and to remember what he had done and what he had said. It's a lesson for us today not to get distracted by what we don't have, what we don't have in our possession yet, or what the enemy has tried to do to distract us or the temptation to take matters into our own hands versus what we know God is asking us to do and being obedient to that. Stop and get perspective on what he's done. Go to the altar as a place of promise of what he has said of where he is taking us, and don't get distracted on what you thought could have or should have happened in this year. Rather, press on by looking back, and you will be reminded of the promise that we win in the end, that he is leading you into that land of promise. But before you get there, stop and pause and remember. The second thing that keeps us is pride. Pride causes us to forget. The Bible says that he resists the proud. And when we get to a place of handling things on our own, of of trying to make something happen in our own time frame, in our own strength, saying, God, God, we've got this. God, you can be the Lord of all of my life except for this. Let's not talk about this. I've got this one. God, you can have every area of my life except for this hurt. I'm not ready to give this to you, this pain, this disappointment, this habit, this way of thinking, the bondage that I'm in now, I want to stay there because I'm not ready to give it to you. You see, pride is always the reason we don't give areas of our lives completely to God. Where we still have ownership, it's because of pride. And often the root of pride stems from a hurt or a disappointment or even a fear. God, I feel like you aren't there for me in this area, that you're not coming through as fast enough or in the way that I think you should, and so it hurts and so it disappoints. I'm going to maintain control. I can't give this completely to you. I can't give this over to you because I fear that you aren't going to come through in the way that I think you should. And it's a lie. And it keeps us from all that God has designed for our life. 
It's pride that keeps you from laying everything down. But living that way is exhausting. Doing things in your own strength, trying to make it happen in your own time frame is exhausting and not God's design for our lives. But when we stop, when we pause, when we look back and allow God to speak to us, and we're honest of those areas that we're keeping control, we know we've made a mess of it. Pausing to allow God to ask again for that area of our lives that we've kept out of fear or hurt or disappointment We're tired of carrying it and ready for us to lay it down at his feet. An altar can be a place of forgiveness when that time comes, where we finally give him everything and make him the Lord of every area of our life. The third area is discouragement. In the book of Haggai is a story of the rebuilding of Solomon's temple. And to quickly give you an overview of the entire book of Haggai, the Jews had returned from captivity with a mission to rebuild. But because of the influence of neighboring uh, enemies, the construction had stopped for nearly 16 years. And Haggai's prophetic word rallied the people to begin construction again. But just a month in, the people were discouraged. They were discouraged at the progress and that compared to the glory of the previous temple, that it would not be restored to its former glory. And so it took the prophet again to put before the people what God had said about their future. And this is a perfect example of what discouragement can do. How discouragement derailed the children of Israel and how it does that in our lives and keeps us from pursuing the plan that God has for us, that discouragement can so easily creep in. And it comes when we listen to the opinion of others and holding that higher in regard than what God has said, has said about a matter. Whether what God has said in his word or what he has spoken to you in your heart, when we listen more intently to the voices of others and believe those words, discouragement comes. The second thing I see from this story that can equally bring discouragement into our lives is the trap of comparison. Comparison, Comparing and comparing our lives, our progress, our situation to others around us or what we think where we should be and holding a perception of someone else's reality against ours, we can easily get discouraged. But comparison, comparison will always lead to discouragement. It's been said from this platform many times before that what you see on social media isn't reality, it's just everyone's highlight reel. And Jenny, my wife, does such a great job at documenting our family and our lives and our events and and posting them, and you see them, maybe you do, and it's always that great picture of smiling kids and smiling Jenny and me but you're not there at dinner. (laughs) You're not there at 6.30 in the morning trying to get them off to school. And I love all of the Christmas cards that came to our houses, all those beautiful 
smiling faces, every kid looking directly at the camera, but you know it took over an hour and 10 gigs of pictures and a thousand snapshots to get that one. I even loved all the Christmas Eve pictures of the perfectly staged room where the parents stayed up and played Santa and got that one shot before bed. And I don't know if you did this, but I was like, whoa, that's a lot of presents. Well, I wish I got that. That's, that looks cool. That looks fun. But comparison is a trap. Comparison is a killer. And it ultimately will only lead to discouragement. And really all discouragement is, is really a lack of perspective about what God wants to do in your life. He's a good God. He has great things in store for you. He has a promised land he is leading you to. And the fastest way to lose perspective is listening to the influences of others and comparing yourself to another person's story. It can keep us from doing the very thing that we need to do when discouraged. Stop. Pause. Look back. Stop and reflect at the altar of worship and it'll change everything. Worship and praise puts our focus on where it should be. Again, that word selah, stop and praise God for what you have just heard. Stopping and reflecting and giving praise brings into our vision the bigness and the beauty of God through worship of who he is and what he has said gets louder over the voices of others around us. What did we just declare in one of my favorite songs that we sing? Your name is higher. Your name is greater. All my hope is in you. Your word, God, is unfailing. Your promise is unshaking. I declare that all my hope is in you. Worship changes your perspective of who God is and what he has said about your life. And finally, The final thing that causes us to forget is apathy. Apathy is a loss of a feeling. Apathy is a feeling. The motivation that got us us off the launch pad is a feeling. And because apathy is a feeling, it's quickly acquired and it's quickly lost. And feelings are always the least reliable thing to reality. Feelings are always the least tied to what is actually happening. Think back to how you felt 11 months ago when you set a course of your New Year's resolutions and how strong you were in them. And yet by January 22nd, the feeling is gone. This year, rather than giving in to apathy, stop, take time to have a rememory moment and remember. Get back the vision that brings with it the feeling to keep going, to keep working towards that goal to continue pursuing what God has said about a certain matter. Not taking the time to go back, to look back, means you won't have the fuel to realize all that God has for you. You won't have the fuel to get across that finish line. And yet, stopping at the altar, remembering the place of passion, of that encounter with God, when he lit up inside of you the vision that he had for you, It changes everything. And going back to that place, he will restore your passion. Distraction, pride, 
Discouragement, apathy will keep you from realizing the promised land that God has for you, what he has in store for you. But taking the time to stop and to focus and to selah, to remember who God is, will remind you of the promise, will bring you to a place of forgiveness, will lead you into worship of who he really is and bring about the passion for you to continue on. And so I'm going to close with this. I want to give you four things that will help you have a rememory moment before we go into 2016. Things that will help you focus. Number one is your identity. That as one of God's children, every promise that he has for you and for me is ours. And when I am confident in who I am in Christ, the freedom comes that I am no longer a slave to fear. Distractions cannot keep me from looking back at my lack or what I think I'm lacking to accomplish what God has in store for me. But when I stop long enough to reflect on who God is and what he has said about me, I am reminded every promise is mine. That's identity in him. The second is humility. With a sense of humility, I am aware that I am owed nothing. That everything I do and everything I have is not by my own efforts, but by a blessing from God. And upon stopping and reflecting, even here and now as you hear these words, many of us need to repent on just this one thing. The pride that comes from fear of making us take matters into our own hands rather than humbly submitting every area of our life to him. And though I've stumbled or maybe I haven't progressed as far as long as I think I should, repentance brings me back to a place where God can continue working things out in my life so that I am prepared for what he has in store for me. And that leads to gratitude. Stopping at the altar of worship and praise expands my view beyond what's not there and makes me thankful for what is there. And then finally, perseverance. Sometimes deliverance is right around the corner, but distractions and discouragement and apathy keep us from keeping on. There was a man who, as a boy, his teacher said he was too stupid to learn anything. And as a man, that boy was fired from his first two jobs from being unproductive. And as an inventor, he tried over a thousand experiments before inventing the light bulb. And when a reporter asked Thomas Edison how he felt about failing a thousand times, he replied, I did not fail a thousand times. The light bulb was an invention with a thousand steps. And Thomas Edison said, many of life's failures are people who just didn't realize how close they were to success before they gave up. But in this human experience, there are setbacks. There's disappointments and discouragement does come. And how do we get back on track? How do we gain the strength to persevere? Where is our passion going to be stirred? And we need to know the answers to these questions before going into a new year, before this coming year, so that we can experience all that God has for us in 2016 as a church, as a family, and as individuals. And so if you hear nothing else, hear this this morning. Your passion will be restored. Your ability to persevere will be there if we learn to stop and remember, to pause long enough to Selah, 
and then the passion and the perspective that we need will be restored. Sometimes it's just remembering the victories of what God has done, like we did at the beginning of this service, and how that stirs us and motivates us to keep on going. And sometimes it's just sitting at an altar and changing our perspective on what the enemy has said about some of these moments of our last year versus what God has said about those moments. If the enemy has told you you've missed it, God said, I've already forgiven it. If the enemy has told you that you've messed up, he says, I've redeemed it. If the enemy says to you he's forgotten about you, God says, I will never leave you. If he says he's never going to come through for you, God says, I'm working on it. If he says the dream is over, you have lost it, missed it, it's dead, God says, I am the resurrection. And so stop and pause and remember. It's those that wait upon the Lord that will have their strength renewed. And so what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you here today? Maybe you are here and you find yourself off course. Maybe you find yourself distracted by the busyness of life rather than the focus of what you had at the beginning of the year. Go to the altar and find the promise of what God has said again. Maybe you're discouraged, you're disillusioned. Go to the altar to worship to get the proper perspective. Maybe you're here with a lack of passion at a year that didn't measure up the way you thought it would. Then go to the altar for vision to break you out of your apathy. Or maybe just fear or hurt at a lack of progress in some areas of your life and pride has crept in, then maybe you need to go to the altar today for forgiveness and lay it down at his feet. What if we all had a fresh revelation, a fresh fresh realization of who God is and what he wants to be in your life in 2016, how faithful he is, how good of a God he is, that the promised land that he has for you is yours. And the only way to restore that perspective is by stopping, looking back, and remembering. And so I can't think of a better time of year than right here and right now, with every head bound and every eye closed. If you're in this room here today, and you've heard these words, you've heard this message, and you haven't made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, Maybe you've heard this from this platform before and you've sat in this chair, but today something's different and you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. I can't think of a better way to end a year and to start a year than accepting Jesus Christ. And so if you're here this morning and that's you, I want you to slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. If that's you, just go ahead and slip up your hand all over the room. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Say, yes, I need to pray that prayer. Yes, Jonathan, will you pray for me? You can put your hands down. All across this room, if we can, let's pray this prayer out loud all together. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for coming and dying for me. Today I make you the Lord of my life. And from this day forward, I will live for you. Dear Jesus, I give you every fear, every failure, every mistake, and I lay it at your feet. I make you the Lord of my life today. And I will live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap for all those hands?